steadfast i am so glad to be with you once again as we wrap up tonight our annual summer series in the proverbs we've been doing proverbially speaking for four years now and this year we focused on lady wisdom a fascinating figure that we've seen is woven through the first part of proverbs and we've seen her call us to to greater wisdom to call us to follow the lord tonight she's going to challenge us to really weigh what we are choosing, what we are buying into. Reminds me of a few weeks ago, I, a really horrible event happened. My coffee maker broke. Now, if you know me, you know this was, this, this was a dire situation because I love coffee and, and there's just, the, the day doesn't feel like it started correctly if there hasn't been a cup of coffee. And the afternoon is always better with a cup of coffee. The evening is better with a cup of coffee. And the old coffee maker had been serving faithfully for years. It, you could kind of, sort of coax something out of it, but it didn't really taste right. It, it just, it was done. And so I didn't realize how complicated it would be to replace it because there's this whole multitude of different kinds of coffee makers now that do all kinds of different things. And, and so it's not necessarily a simple process to say, I'm going to go get a coffee maker. But then it became even more complicated because after narrowing it down to one particular type of coffee maker, particular brand, particular model, it turned out that that one model actually wasn't one model. There were different stores that had it and one store had it available for delivery the next day. The other store, it was back ordered. It was going to be several days. And so logically enough, the price was about the same, slightly cheaper, $1, I believe, cheaper at the store that had it available the next day. Why not? You can get it the next day, get it for a dollar cheaper. Made perfect sense. Made perfect sense until I started looking at it after it came out of the box. And I remembered looking on the, the website of the manufacturer, trying to make sure that, that I wasn't getting confused about different models or what have you. But there was this one knob on it that turned on a few nifty features it could do. And it wasn't there. I started looking around and I realized that this model was one digit off on its box from the model that's advertised on the manufacturer's website, advertised on other retailers' websites. And so even though it had the same name, it, it, it sounded like the exact same coffee maker. The manual in the box was identical. The manual in the box also had small print that certain variations lacked these particular key features of it. I'm not really sure why anyone would buy that particular one, but it looked like it was the same. It looked like it was going to accomplish everything that I thought it would, but it didn't. So that attempt to get a day faster didn't work out. That attempt to save a dollar, it wasn't worth giving up a dollar for what was missing. Now, too often with God's wisdom, we go to the wisdom store and we start shopping around. We have God's wisdom. We go online. We can find lots of wisdom on there. We turn on the TV and we find lots of people purporting to give wisdom. We go to the bookstore or we order a book. There are all kinds of people saying that they have wisdom. 
all these things. And as we think about that wisdom, we weigh it and we say, well, God's wisdom sounds pretty, pretty good to a certain extent. Most of us, even if we're not followers of Jesus, most Americans, if you pull them, would say there was good wisdom in the Bible. Maybe I just don't want to deal with it right now. Maybe I want to go and get that other box of wisdom that's going to be delivered a day earlier, and the price looks just ever so slightly cheaper. I'll go with that instead. What we're going to be challenged tonight as we look at Proverbs chapter 9 is to think about, is the price really higher for God's wisdom? And, more importantly, are we really getting what we think we're buying when we go elsewhere? We need God's help on this because even as we seek to follow the Lord, too often we don't catch those places where maybe we haven't outright rejected God's wisdom, but we've remained neutral to it. We don't realize that we're buying a box of different things in that that unit we pulled off the shelf that aren't the things that we were really thinking we were getting. We've looked at the advertisement. It looks great. And if that feature isn't there, well, what's it matter? Yet later on, we get to the point where we can't return it, and we realize we're missing what really is everything that a person could want. Mighty Wisdom doesn't want us to have that happen. God doesn't want that to happen to us. And so let's come before him in prayer and ask that he would help us to see in our hearts where we're missing his wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before your word tonight, we thank you for this opportunity once again to come into the Proverbs, for all the wisdom in it. Lord, would you help us to see where our hearts are separated from your wisdom? And sometimes that's a, a direct rejection. We know we're rejecting it. We, we want to think something else is better or, or correct, and we're, we're missing out on it in that way. But too often we think we can just remain neutral. And in those places where we're remaining quote-unquote neutral, would you help us to see that we're actually rejecting what is true? Would you help us to be drawn closer to you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the key thing we're going to see in this passage tonight. We don't have a, a, a multiple choice quiz where we can fill in A, B, C, or D. This is true or false. Are we going to follow God's wisdom or aren't we? Those are our options. Are we for him or against him? That's what he's going to challenge us to think about. And so let's go ahead, turn to Proverbs chapter 9, and we read this in verse 7. It says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abused. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Now, you may say, I thought we were going to wrap up Lady Wisdom. I don't even see her mentioned there. And you start in the middle of the chapter. What's going on here? Well, there's some debate on these verses we just looked at and how they fit into the overall story because we're going to see Lady Wisdom before these verses and we're going to see Lady Folly after them. So these two personifications of the choices that we make. But in between, there's this description and it seems like it's essentially a challenge as we weigh these two options. Which one am I going to follow? Because here we have on the one hand, the scoffer. We've run into scoffers before in Proverbs the person who, who has rejected God's wisdom and thinks he or she knows better. We find here someone who is wicked, someone who is rebelling against God's wisdom. And that's the one side. The other side is the person who is quote-unquote wise or righteous. And that person chooses to follow God's wisdom. And what happens? That person becomes even wiser. And that's the amazing thing about God's wisdom. 
God's wisdom builds. The rejection of his wisdom tears down. And that's what, when we think about this, what happens to the scoffer? The scoffer is going to abuse those who correct him. The scoffer is going to injure, the wicked person is going to injure the person who offers God's wisdom. There's a building going on. It's just a destructive building. Something's happening. There's always going to be something happening. But the question is, do we want to be those who are building up hatred and anger towards other people? Because that's what happens when we reject God's wisdom. Or do we want to embrace God's wisdom and have him continue to build it more and more on us? And that's where we find the challenge that we see at the beginning of this chapter. Proverbs, verse, Proverbs 9 verse 1. Says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So that's what's right before those first verses we read. They describe what happens based on the choice we make. But here, Lady Wisdom, once again, is repeating her call, come and receive my wisdom. But she does more than that here, and it's really remarkable. It sort of sounds like what we see later on in Proverbs 31. She's doing all kinds of things, isn't she? She's building a house, hewning pillars, and then she's making a meal in the house that she built, and she's sending out her servants to go invite people very actively come and partake of this meal that I'm making. So what's she doing? She's building. God's wisdom builds. And the more that we think about God's wisdom and what we've seen over these past weeks is we recognize that God's wisdom is ultimately Jesus. Jesus is God's wisdom incarnate. Then we realize just to what extent God's wisdom builds. God's wisdom authored the world. And God's wisdom took on the sin of the world and did the work that we should have done. God's wisdom is productive. And it's not just that when we encounter God's wisdom, we see God's wisdom busy over here in some construction site doing all kinds of things. God's wisdom invites us into that productivity. Come in, experience what I'm doing. Experience being built up. Don't be torn down. And so it is that Lady Wisdom is making this meal and, and she's saying to people who are hungering for wisdom, come have this meal. You don't need to hunger any longer. You don't need to thirst any longer. I prepared this for you. When we think of this picture, it says that she's prepared the bread. She's also mixed the wine. And there's some debate. I, I'm not familiar with mixing wine, but in the ancient world, they did that in several different ways. Sometimes they put spices in it to make it flavored a certain way. Sometimes they would add water to it to get the right consistency. But the key thing is she's preparing it so that the people that she's calling out to can actually enjoy it. God prepares his wisdom so we can enjoy it. That's why he gives us his word. He he doesn't speak at a God's eye level to as if we could somehow understand that. He speaks in words we can understand. He prepares a meal for us so that we can be fed. The question is, are we going to accept that meal? There's the challenge. And even for those of us who, who choose to follow Jesus, who would say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm even a lifelong Christian. I read God's word. There's still going to be those places in our lives where... We're at the wisdom store, 
And we say, yeah, I have the rest of the collection of God's wisdom. But in this particular case, I can see that end cap there with the brand new product from the world. And it promises to get the same job done faster. And I, I need to wax my car. I don't want to put in a bunch of elbow grease. I just want it to look shiny. I'll just try this instead. Or I need a meal that cooks faster. God's wisdom meal seems like it takes too long. I'll try something else. We're going to allow God to say in those places in our lives, those places in our lives, we need to reject those things and come back and have more of a meal with wisdom. And notice here, this is not only a call to those who are already wise. There isn't a, a, a admissions level to get in to Lady Wisdom's house. It's not like some Ivy League school. Maybe when you were looking at colleges, or if you are looking at colleges now, th this would really hit close to home. But if you're thinking about that experience, you know someone who's looking for a college, you know there's a challenge. You have to get certain test scores to get in, have certain accomplishments, have certain grades in, in schooling up to that point. And so for most of us, there's going to be some schools that simply wouldn't even bat an eye if we turned in an application, they say, well, you're not what we're looking for. You haven't been published. You haven't you haven't achieved a certain grade point. You haven't passed this certain standardized test at this certain level. Lady Wisdom doesn't work that way. She's not going to turn us away and say, you don't meet my standard. All that she asks, all that she asks, is that we willingly come in and be nourished. She'll get us there. God will get us there. His spirit will bring us to wisdom. We don't have to bring something to the table ourselves. This isn't a potluck of wisdom. We're coming into a meal expertly crafted by the very best. And so she says in, in verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. She's not saying those who are wise come and get more wisdom. She's saying those of you who aren't yet wise, you don't need to stay simple. You can become wise. Are we willing to do that? Do we want to do that? Sometimes we say, I want to do that later. We need to realize that later doesn't always come. Quite frequently it doesn't come. God doesn't say, you can put off and someday come to me. God says, come now. But what happens when we do? Verse 6, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. When we respond to her, we actually do get to be those who walk in the way of insight. It does happen because God's faithful. He provides. Yeah, it's so tempting to, to try to find some other path because it sounds challenging. Because God calls us to a different way of life. He calls us to a way that people are sometimes going to look down on. People are going to question, why are you doing this? It seems like you could just look out for yourself a little better and things would work out. It looks like you could just go the way that everyone else is and it would be all right. God calls us to something better. And yet, and yet, how is it that it's so tempting? told you last week I got to spend a little time in the Ozarks a couple weeks ago. Here is one of my very favorite views of Table Rock Lake. It's a view I have spent countless hours staring at over the years. It's beautiful during the day. It's beautiful at sunset. But I'm showing you this daytime picture in particular because I want you to notice the hill there, the, the hill on the other side of the lake. It doesn't look that far, does it? But I've stared at that hill quite a lot and wondered, well, what all is on that hill? What would it be like to be over there? It doesn't look that far away. In, in most of our neighborhoods, you can't see more than maybe a quarter of a mile at best before there's some obstruction. So you look out and you see a hill like that. It looks like it's just around the corner. 
Maybe I should just swim over there. That would be the quickest way, wouldn't it? Just swim on over there. I could find out what's on that hill. However, that hill is quite a bit further away than it looks. And if I started swimming, I would be exhausted before I even got halfway. If I were a crow, I could fly over there as the crow flies. Maybe crows don't think about how crows fly, but they certainly can get there a lot faster than I could. That's the most direct route, but I would end up sinking. I would end up being utterly miserable at best and dead at worst trying to get over to that hill if I just started swimming from where I'm looking at it. Now, there's a different option, though. It looks like it requires more patience, but it will yield the result I actually want. We have these amazing devices now called smartphones. You can pull one out, pull up your map app, drop a pin on the spot you want to get to, and it'll give you driving directions to get there. And those driving directions to get to that particular particular hill are going to require a lot of turning and going down little roads and so on. It looks indirect. It doesn't look like it's getting me to where I want to be nearly as fast if I just swam across the lake. And yet it'll actually get me there. So it is. When we chase after the wisdom of the world, it looks like I'm just going to jump in. I'll swim across, get there really quickly. But we're going to sink. Might not feel like it for a time. We're getting closer and closer. And we're way closer than the person that's going down all the little gravel roads and so on trying to get to the same place. But we're going to sink and that person's going to get there. Are we going to follow God's wisdom and we're going to get there? Or are we going to think we're making a perfect shortcut? Here's the problem. Lady Folly's out there. She's calling after us. And one of the things she says is, well, why don't you just stay neutral for a while? See what works out best. But Lady Folly always leads to death. And that's what we see in verse 13. It says, the woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Notice here the parallel. It's remarkable how she parallels the message of Lady Wisdom. She's also offering something to eat. She's also calling out. But it's so different, so stark. And it starts with Lady Folly herself. It says that she knows nothing. Now, in your translation, it may say that she's seductive. Another possibility is that it's speaking to her ignorance. So she is the scoffer or the fool. It's a, it, that word could fit in that. But the, the key thing is that she knows nothing. She doesn't know God's moral wisdom. She doesn't know what's truly good. And so she says, here's a way to get what you want. You can just swim across that lake. You can get there in no time compared to the person who's taking the time to, to drive down that road and then get on that hiking path. It's going to be so exhausting. Don't do that. You don't need to do that. Just follow me instead. But she doesn't really know what she's saying. She doesn't know where she's really going. And, and she doesn't put in the sort of effort that God does. Isn't it funny? While she does call out, it says that she calls out sitting on her doorstep. She's sitting on the high places. She's, she's not sending out messengers trying to round people up. How amazing is it? God sends out his messengers. He's sent out his church for millennia. He's given us his word. And yet, yet we go and we... We find someone posting on the internet about something randomly instead. We say, well, I could follow God's word, or I could follow this 
five great life hacks column, I think I'll follow the five great life hacks column. We don't even know who the person is. And we realize that every one of the hacks has an associate link going to some page on Amazon where that person's going to get a kickback. And yet we think somehow that's going to make life better. That doesn't sit. And even those who seem active in calling us to the ways of the world are sitting in comparison. They haven't created the world. They haven't ever been able to take on our sins for us, but God does. And he calls us simply to respond. And yet we listen to Lady Folly too often. She says, here, I didn't bother to bake any bread, but have the stolen bread that I have instead. It'll be just as delicious, and you'll even feel extra excited that you're getting to have stolen bread. Have it. It'll be great. We turn away the fresh-baked, aromatic bread that Lady Wisdom is offering. So we, we turn away the meal that God has prepared us for something clearly lesser. Because we think it's somehow going to make us happy. Somehow it's going to make things good. Isn't that the, the original sin? If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, what does Eve think? God's given Adam and Eve the whole garden. He said that you can tend this garden, you can eat of this garden, just don't do this. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. And yet as Satan tempts Eve, she looks at it and thinks, you know, yes, everything else is good. She knows everything else is good, but maybe this is good too. And it's right in front of me. And I haven't gotten to try it yet. Why not? It'll be just as good even though it's quote unquote stolen. Or consider Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. It says, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. Now, you don't have to be a thief to think about this, because we all are stealing things in the sense that we take things that aren't meant to be ours, that aren't meant to be done the way that we do them, because we don't want to bother with the way that God wants us to do them. Now, sometimes we're simply ignorant. Sometimes we really are the simpleton that just doesn't know. And for that there's a solution. God's wisdom is calling to us, and we should seek it out. We should seek it out more and more, and he'll pull us to the place where instead we dine at his table. But too often, it looks better if we just go the way of Lady Folly. It looks tempting in the moment. It looks delicious in the moment. And what's really going to be the harm? Isn't that really the question it seems like was going through Eve's head? What's really the harm? It looks like it could be great. Yeah, God said not to do it, but what is really going to be the harm? And that is one of the most dangerous questions we will ever ask ourselves. What, what really would it matter? It should be simple enough that God wants us to do something, and so we should do it. Too often, though. Too often. And so that's why she's challenging us here to, to think about that. Because on the surface, it looks good. I, I was reading about a man who bought a mini truck over the pandemic, and... There's a lot to be said about this little truck. As you can see, it's quite small compared to him. It was imported from Japan. It only cost a few thousand dollars. Even with conversions to make it, he's a, a moving and, and hauling and demolition company. Or he, he Rather, I should say he owns one. He started up. And so it seemed like a great deal. And he loves his little mini truck. That was what the article was about. But he's going to give it up. Because here's what he discovered. Yes, he was able to get this imported Japanese mini truck, and it gets people's attention because it's different, and it's interesting, and it fits really well in the streets of New York where his business is. But he's run into a problem. They weren't ever sold in the United States. There aren't mini truck dealers that you can go to and get mini truck parts. And so while he saved a ton of money on the truck, 
He's had various people vandalize it and various things happen to it. Whenever he needs a replacement part, if he can find it at all, he pays through the nose. At first, it looked good. It looked like it was a great deal. But even though he still really loves it, he's realized he needs to go get a regular, more commonplace truck because it'll be cheaper in the long run. It will provide what he needs in the long run. And so it is with the wisdom of the world. Lady Folly's alleged wisdom looks cheaper in the moment. It looks easier to get into, and it even looks kind of interesting, like a mini truck. I kind of like to own one of those. It looks fun. And yet, and yet, the price over time is horrible. As we drive that mini truck down the road and something breaks or someone steals the mirror, or most recently this man had someone break the window, can't find a replacement piece of glass because no one makes it that size. And what are we going to find? As we progress through life and we're trying to replace the parts of our lives and we realize we're coming even to the end of our lives, there aren't going to be replacement parts for Lady Folly's plan. It's going to fall apart. But when we instead follow God's plan, even in the moment where it doesn't look as exciting in the moment, it doesn't look as easy in the moment, it doesn't look as accessible in the moment, he's bringing us to the path of life. Now we see over and over again about how wisdom is good but you might say, well, Tim, last night you were preaching from Ecclesiastes and, and Solomon says that he acquired all kinds of wisdom. It just ended up being disappointing. It's because he was focused on the wisdom of the world and where it would bring him in the world. That's what he's finding is unsatisfying. And that's why at the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, what do you need to do? to, to What should we do with our lives? We should do what God calls us to do, to focus on him. And when we think about this meal that that Lady Wisdom is inviting us to, that's exactly what she's telling us to. John 6.51 I am the living bread, Jesus says, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Sounds sort of like what Lady Wisdom is saying, isn't it? And that's not a coincidence. As Jesus describes that we need to feed on him, that we need him He's saying, feed on the incarnate wisdom of God. And in that, we're doing the same thing that Solomon ultimately advocates in Ecclesiastes. We're turning to God. Because as we turn to his wisdom, it may not make everything right in the moment. If you think about these last weeks and we try in every single way to draw closer to God's wisdom, it doesn't mean that the rest of the summer, much less the rest of your life, is going to go smoothly, that everything will suddenly work, that suddenly you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise and, and everyone will, will just hail you as wonderful. It doesn't mean that at all. But when we realize that the table we're feasting at, even when the meal's coming in bits and pieces over time, when we realize that meal is Jesus himself, that he has died for us, then we realize what is really happening and the beauty of it. He's brought us into a home that he's crafted for us and is safe. When we go into Lady Folly's house, instead we're, we're in a, a home that is infested with alligators ready to devour us. But God's wisdom is there. He's calling to us. All we have to do is say we want it. Let's pray tonight. It's my prayer for me and it's my prayer for you for all the people that we love and care about, that we would all seek after God's wisdom. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for your wisdom. Would you help us to hunger for it? To not hunger for the stolen bread, to not hunger for that which seems easier or more reachable in the moment, that seems faster in the moment. Would you help us not to take the shortcuts, but to hold on to you, 
to recognize that you are working it. You are the one doing the work. So all we need is to have more of you. And that as we turn to you, as we cling to your wisdom, you work and you ultimately provide the satisfaction. For as we recognize that it is you that's working, even when things aren't quite right, we find the joy of knowing that you are working in us, you are working through us. You are building up and not tearing down. Lord, you help us to see that tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope this was an encouragement to you, and if it was, I sure would appreciate it. Would you give us a like? Would you give us a share? Would you subscribe to our YouTube channel? Like our Facebook page as you engage with our social media, as you share this video, as you leave comments, you are helping other people discover what we're doing together. And I'm so thankful for our community that gathers here at Little Hills, both online and in person. Certainly what happens on Monday nights is so wonderful as we encourage each other. Invite more people to take part in that. Because as we do it together, we're saying, don't chase after Lady Folly and all that seems good. Chase after Lady Wisdom. Chase after God and what is good. Once we chase after God, God draws us together as the church. And, and then the question is, well, now what do I do with my life? I, I'm in this group of believers. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to be other than what I knew before. Well, we're going to be looking in our next series, Body of Work, on Monday nights, thinking about the gifts that God gives us. He gifts the body, his church, to go and to serve. And each of us, every one of you that's on here tonight, everyone has been gifted and called by God in different ways. We aren't all the same. We aren't meant to be all the same. We shouldn't try to all be the same. But rather, in different ways, God has called each of us to serve, to glorify him, and to love our neighbors. And, and we're going to be thinking about those different gifts that God gives and how they apply in our lives. And I hope maybe as we do that, we can even help each other to discover a little bit more about the unique ways that God is working in each of our lives. If there's any way I can be praying for you, in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot a text to our text line, 833-356-4032, or leave a comment in the comments below. It's great to hear from you. And then please come back next Monday night for our new series, Body of Work. Join us on Sunday for our Sunday worship service. Of course, we have Bible study throughout the week. We also have this week at Little Hills. Lots to join in. All of it is an opportunity to ex explore God's wisdom, and I can't wait to share it with you. Have a blessed week, and I'll see you again very soon.